0: Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Bud Light. Bud Light is all about bringing friends together. And we're wondering which unlikely pairs will team up this season on Game of Thrones. Seeing so many old friends and new come together in the last episode, the second episode of the eighth season. For example, the past episode we saw, I mean, there was like basically like a happy hour where everybody was hanging out. But my favorite sort of reunion was the Brienne and Jamie. Stuff with the nighting. It was just so emotional. They would definitely be having Bud Lights together. Enjoy responsibly. 21 and up.
1: I need sports to have to clear the room. Stand up and walk. Now. Hello,
0: and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am editor at TheRinger.com. And joining me in the studio, courtesy of Giant's Milk, it's Andy Greenwald! Hey,
1: I just got a coffee here. At beautiful Sons of Gower did Studios. You, did you say add giant's milk? Well they only have, this is a pet peeve of mine, they only have uh, half and half and like almond milk on do display. You want? I want that pure flowing giant milk.
0: I do you do you drink oat milk? No. Oh, because I had that. And I have to say, yeah? that tastes like barn.
1: Like barn? Like barn. straight barn.
0: You know what, Like, you know how when you walk into a barn and you were like, I get what's going on here? <laughs>
1: You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if, these, if these walls could talk, yeah. Uh huh.
0: I don't know when's the last time I walked into a barn, though.
1: That's what everyone's asking. <laughs> Guy Chris, walks into a barn is my sitcom. Chris Oatsbane. <laughs> Guys, we're really excited for a couple reasons. Reason oh, number it, one is away, Game of Thrones. Reason number two, Chris today is wearing such a great ensemble. He's wearing a shirt that I couldn't pull off, but apparently I've already discussed that on the pod due to yeah. its bright Colors, but he's also wearing like a Frenchman's working jacket. Like, it's like not he, a yellow
0: vest though. It's, it's not wh- a yellow it's vest important
1: to note. It just looks like he's going to leave here, walk into his barn, uh-huh. set up his easel,
0: and just ponder. You look great. The weird thing about what I'm doing today
1: if is like, that a shacket.
0: Yeah, but it's thinner. A it's jerk? lighter than the shirt I'm wearing. Is that? How, but that's not how it's supposed to work. And I had a, a, I stood in front of the mirror for a minute this morning, Did you have- drinking my oat milk. <laughs>
1: Letting it, letting it foam down your beard like torment. <laughs> I had to
0: change because uh-huh. I got oat milk all over my, uh-huh. my top. Uh, <laughs> no, I just, I just don't understand the mechanics of whether or not
1: it's okay to have a lighter... Yeah. Like, shacket over a heavier shirt. It's 60 degrees. You, you can go any direction. I know. It's
0: going to be 80 in a few minutes, so I'll just have to take all it off anyway.
1: We're just stalling because here's the real thing, Chris. I'm so happy. Game of Thrones is good. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little worried last week, guys. You, you were...
0: I thought you got unfairly dunked on, roasted... Maligned? Uh, marinated in a roux of oat milk Ugh. by people. I thought that you were fair. Mm-hmm. Fair but balanced. Mm.
1: Um, <laughs> Those words sound so good together.
0: But after watching the second episode, yeah. the first episode, like you're kind of like, oh, okay, like this is what it's really got going for it. This is what this show can be.
1: Last night was a tremendous Hall of Fame episode of Game of Thrones. Yeah. I loved it. I loved all of it. And And look, I think it's really interesting... To compare to the first week, because both weeks were essentially throat clearing. You know, if you if you think of television, as I don't, as a zero-sum plot game, right? Like mm-hmm. th- It was rearranging chess pieces, uh, throat clearing, setting up for what probably will be arguably or inarguably the most insane hour-plus of television of this era of television, if mm-hmm. not ever. And that said, though, it was so much better— across the board and maybe this is one of those things where you know we are i can't tell if we're out of the habit or if we're getting spoiled in terms of reviewing tv week to week the way we used to i don't know if you can get an episode like night of the seven kingdoms without
0: having winterfell Winterfell. yeah so i would actually i would let me throw this at you okay what if they're supposed to be the same episode
1: well they were block shot they had the same director
0: yeah and Cogman wrote two dave hill wrote one um but given what we had heard earlier on about like the different ways that they were conceiving of this last season uh-huh. and the possibility of it being three movies or something like that, right? I think if you look at Winterfell and Seven Kingdoms together, they form a pretty complementary piece. I think that's right. And then I think the Battle of Winterfell will be its own thing. And then I think basically, I bet it's another 2-1 come down another two episodes yeah. that feel like they go together even though they're supposed to be pretty long. And then the one will be a coda. But I felt like there was a lot, it was like, this was about reunions the first week and then the second week was about closure and resolution on certain things. Emotionally, if not, obviously physically no, I, because I think we're going to get into that.
1: I think you're, I think you're definitely right. And I think that, it's funny, eight seasons in, I am still sometimes fighting at the nature of this show, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I marvel at its structure, at the organization, at the, honestly, at the economy with which they do things. But sometimes I also chafe against it because it feels either unsatisfactory or unsatisfactory in the moment. And so last week, to your point, you're right. Last week, they had to get through a lot of initial reunions before they could deepen the relationships, Mm -hmm. before they could either resolve them or give us some sort of payoff with them. So we had to have Arya and Gendry uh, make eyes at each other last week before they got to um, forge Valerian steel in in a very special way. Dragonglass, yeah. Dragonglass. I I, I could have workshopped the the sex forge (laughs) joke a little bit more. Too bad Mal's not here. I think it's actually good, considering (laughs) some of the texts she sent us last night. So you're right. I think it's better to think of them that way. The other aspect of last week that I think I was having some trouble with, and, and, and I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on this, was... Last week, because it was the season premiere, because it was resetting the stage, spent a lot of time on what I think are essentially our main characters. And I think our main characters aren't as interesting as our supporting characters. I don't think that is a radical statement. Mm -hmm. I think the thing that has been brilliant about the show and has made it so great over eight seasons is the just wildly, unprecedentedly deep bench. Yeah. Um, We all have our favorites, and then sometimes, like, when there was that Dirty Dozen mission last year, I'm like, oh, those are all my favorites. Right,
0: Barrick and Thoros and the the, Hound. And the Hound
1: and all these great characters just all interacting in surprising ways and being funny and and being supporting, being the supporting uh, scaffolding that a show like this needs. I think that Jon Snow brooding while compelling. And Kit Harrington is really, I mean, he's really given a performance here. I mean that sincerely. I think it's pretty amazing the arc that he's had and the weight that he has to bring to every scene. He doesn't get to have fun like the other people do. I find him and Daenerys less interesting at this moment.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, since Tower of Joy, you know, obviously that was a huge turning point for his character. And we knew, as an audience, knew more than the character himself did. Right. And that went on for a while. But even last night, if you would have told me that there would have been a bunch of scenes of people drinking wine and screwing in, in forges.
1: Mm-hmm. You prefer Barnes. And
0: then the episode would end with John revealing his true identity to the woman he loves. Yeah. And thus changing the sort of stakes of the game. What up, I'm your nephew! And that that wouldn't be the emotional high point of the right. episode. That the emotional high point of the episode would be this Jamie and Brienne Thing that had been kind
1: of brewing over three or four seasons of their interactions. Longer. Yeah, longer. It's, I don't that may have been the third season. I don't remember. Yeah.
0: But. And that, that would be the emotional high point with just like this person getting knighted, and that for this show that's so cynical, or not cynical, but, but the show that is so subversive about mythology, to indulge in
1: It was season three, by the way. Yeah.
0: But to indulge in what is basically a the most classic swords and shields kind of thing you can do. Mm-hmm. You know what i mean to bestow honor onto somebody else and a title and like to like talk about the qualities that make a hero. And she is the most heroic person on the show in a lot of ways. Like the most purely heroic person. Yep. She is the most uncorrupted character on this show.
1: The the true gift and pleasure of the show has always been been its cumulative nature. Mm-hmm. And it allows Game of Thrones to play with uh, a well of emotions and emotional investment that other shows could only dream of, and so to have a scene where characters that we have we have known for eight seasons, some some slightly less, I guess, unlikely characters to be together, unlikely friends, unlikely companions, um, all of whom are scarred in multiple ways whether they physically lost a hand or they were nursed by a giant widow or they lost something else <laughs> or they, they've all lost some stuff along the way but no but particularly I'm talking about the characters in that Brienne scene uh-huh. none of whom I believe had been castrated on camera <laughs> an honor bestowed only on Theon I believe of the main cast um, to have them just be around together and feel the weight of the moment, but the audience also feels the significance of the moment because we know this is our last time with some of these people as yeah. well. It's really wonderful. It's really rare. And I think that um, Benioff and and Dan Weiss and Brian Cogman, who's been there with them almost from the beginning, really lived up to the moment.
0: Yeah, I think that one of the themes of the episodes, we talked about this last night on Talk of the Thrones, but it, the word got uttered a couple of times throughout was afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um you know, D- Danny and Sansa having this conversation that kind of gets derailed when Sansa's like, well, what happens after all this? Mm-hmm. And this concept of, well, well, let's say we live. Let's say we make it. But the episode itself is fueled by a kind of last night on Earth urgency. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't help but think about some of the meta commentary of like, these these characters are also, and these actors who have spent so much time together are also kind of you know, separating from one another professionally. Yeah. And there was a lot of really touching moments in between people like that, even when they were only, you know, Sansa and Danny have not had that many, I don't think any, one-on-one conversations like they did last night.
1: By the way, ever since Sansa took over as the lady of the Rhythm Nation, (laughs) she has not looked as fine as she did last night. The large, like, the large chain... Yeah. Like, what was the it's con- Cersei's outfit. Chain, chain, hang low. Like that was <laughs> that was incredible. Um, yeah, but also, it's funny. It's really funny what the difference a week makes. And now you've got in my head with this idea of thinking of them together. Mm-hmm. But I, I, you know, on the podcast last week, I was talking about how I felt almost rushed with some of these some of these encounters, some of these reunions. That they felt just they they felt economical. A word that I've used now in. Complete Twice, but once in a positive context and one in a negative context. Then you get to this week's episode where the hound Arya scene is certainly shorter, I mm-hmm. think, than the one the previous week. But it was terrific. It, it struck the right balance of sentimentality and—reality is a funny word to use in this context— but yeah. um, knowledge of the characters, appropriate knowledge of the characters. Um, and also created an interesting dynamic between old and young— which has been a steady drumbeat through the series. And I'm not really sure how we're netting out on that, you know, um, the older people whose fight is nearly done, mm-hmm. the younger people who are willing to challenge tradition. Um, and then now in this episode in particular, we find the the people, the characters who more than any other, John and Daenerys who have represented the young um, viewpoint, mm-hmm. suddenly uh, the past is yoked around their necks like an anchor. Right. To, to to screw up everything.
0: So, I mean, like, we can talk, let's talk a little specifics about the episode itself. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the, the easy way out on that one mm-hmm. is a marriage power-sharing agreement. Right. Uh, I, if people will accept an aunt and a nephew being together, the alternative is a, Brother and sister being together, I suppose. So. What if, I mean, that was a.
1: We've really come a long way in eight years, both as a show and as a country. Right. Where now there's just some like tender thoughts about the time that Jamie just fucked his sister on the rig. So he's just like, well, I love. I, I want
0: to talk more about. We can even save Jamie the for the heart second half. But what the, it wants the Jamie reclamation project is one of the great like achievements yeah. of this show. Aside from you know one one you know
1: <laughs> at. <laughs> At uh, we we attended a seder together the other the we other did. night and 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 you were by the way I'm, I'm I'm not sure how I feel about this you were letting my wife know that she's become a a more frequent mention well it's not
0: like she's listening well that's why I felt comfortable <laughs> that's but why I mention my wife all the time she doesn't listen no there's
1: no question about that but now you told her but yeah. anyway she she wanted you to know. That uh, she did not watch the show last night. She made it. She's like, I just can't do this. And I said, okay. And I paused it. And I said, really? You can't sit through the next 48 minutes and 59 seconds? You're tapping out? She Because she was it's too emotional or because she finds it... So boring. Okay. So boring. But she didn't put in the work. She didn't put in the time. Of course. Yeah. I did call her attention, though, at one point. I did pause it to say, look how good his hair looks. Jamie? Yeah, look, look what they've done with his hair. Jamie looks like he is standing stage
0: left at an Oasis gig in 96.
1: No, Jamie looks like he is standing in front of the fucking camera wearing a jumper zipped up to his neck in the Do You Know What I Mean video <laughs> with a fucking helicopter named, <laughs> na- 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 uh, no, a dragon landing behind him. He's feeling
0: supersonic. Give him gin and tonic.
1: I, yeah. I mean, (laughs) we both relate to that look in an aspirational way that has not dimmed. Yeah, sure. Has not dimmed.
0: No, he, he was great. Uh, I was, I was kind of like trying to remember when I started being like super team Jamie, which I think was
1: pretty much eight minutes after. The minute he he threw a child out the window, you're like, that's my guy. And
0: then he has a couple of moments of, you know, he, he, he basically relapses into bad behavior a few times. Um, my personal favorite is when he goes up to Edmure, when he's got Edmure totally chained to a pole and he's just like, I'm a
1: catapult your baby. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that was, you know, things are said in the heat of combat. It was like,
0: I felt like that was like Russ Westbrook rocking the baby on Dame Lillard. It's like, I don't know that he was necessarily going to do anything about it. He was just using it.
1: Right. So you don't think if push, if push came to catapult. Uh, Yeah. I mean, that's like a lot. You, that, that's a lot
0: of logistics just to catapult a baby. You could catapult any baby and be like, "That was your son." I'm gonna.
1: Wow, that's where you went. I was gonna walk it back and say, <laughs> "Catapulting a baby seems pretty straightforward." Yeah, it's not like, heavy.
0: I, I get it, but like the amount of work he would have to do to get
1: that specific baby. Oh. Oh, I see. So you're saying he could just borrow a baby or even, <laughs> dare I say, like a sack of old clothes and be like, sure. damn, your baby! And then if
0: he figures it out, he could be like, well, imagine next time when it really is your baby.
1: And then the next time it's, <laughs> it's what? Like like a small forest hair that they've captured?
0: Um, but his, his sort of redemption arc is pretty amazing. I, I do find it fascinating that... I think that the only thing we, where it's not plot armor... It's not the definition of plot armor, but his presence in Winterfell, it's really about Brienne, and he says as much. I mean, he says, like, I came here basically to serve under you, but throughout the entire series, he's always just maintained, he doesn't really give a shit about anything but Cersei. And I guess her flaunting the Euron stuff in his face and and just kind of double-crossing him at her leisure has driven him to this, but... You know, that was his whole speech to Edmure, is that, like, I will do anything to get back to
1: her. Right. Yeah. I'm glad they gave, first of all, I, I'm glad they gave him time to sort of clear the lane at the beginning of the episode and just sort of reset mm-hmm. where he's at with things. I thought that was really appropriate. I did wonder, <laughs> one, of, one of the most, you know, this was a very emotional episode, it was a talky episode. There wasn't that much, um, you know, oh my God, what's going to happen next? Tension. The one moment I felt that tension was when uh, Tormund got Jamie's nickname wrong. <laughs> King killer. I was like, "Is he going to correct him?" Yeah. Like, th- there was a whole thing on Twitter the other week with people misquoting the Wire.
0: You know? oh, yeah, right. and it kind of reminded it's me of James Woods misquoted Omar right. in a tweet. Yeah, what
1: did he say? Like, like he was like, if "Omar you is arriving." Shoot at the
0: King, do not miss him.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so, what do you do when someone like, if you have, if you cultivate a nickname for decades, yeah, and someone gets it wrong, do you have to fight the impulse to correct him, or do you think like that's what your guy steps in? Like that's when your that that's when your hype man. Also, comes the in. thing
0: is, is, that there's probably is a guy in Game of Thrones named King Killer. That's my and point. Was like, no, that guy, you know, he wouldn't go as far as to catapult a baby. Yeah, that's me. That's what separates me. Yeah, from that's the fact. a Slayer and a killer. You know, one of the things that I often turn to you for is the examination of tropes in writing. Mm. And last night mm-hmm. was one of the all-time McBain okay. episodes. I
1: was going to go there. So, for people who don't know the reference because I'm not using it in a column every week anymore. One of, the, one of my favorite Simpsons moments was when there was the show within the show, movie within the movie of McBain, sort of the Schwarzenegger movie, yeah. and there's the footage of the classic McBain movie is when his African-American partner <laughs> meets him at a bar and shows him a picture of the boat that he recently purchased ahead of his retirement, and the boat is called Live Forever. <laughs> Needless to say, my man cartoon Danny Glover does not yeah, <laughs> indeed, live forever. Uh-huh. He is shot six hundred times.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so there was some major McBaining last yeah. night, and I think that I I I, I should ranked
0: we do them. some? Oh, you did. Yeah, I was hoping you would.
1: I have a I have a I have a McBain <laughs> rankings coming off of season eight, episode two of Game of Thrones, in terms of who who, who showed everyone their boat. <laughs> Number three. Yeah. And we just mentioned him, and it pains me to say it. Number three is 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 Tormund oat's milk, because because he was he really got to be like I
0: suckled at the teat
1: of a giant. He he also I, I love him, but he's also the kind of character that has thrived with low minutes. Like he has a great what's the what's the per like player efficiency rating? You know what right. I mean? Like his plus minus is plus minus is absurdly high. Okay, but he's rarely on the court that long, so I think he's no one's noticed that he's survived inexplicably long, just playing his role as a ginger manzoukas. Okay. (laughs) All of a sudden, last night, the camera like settles on him for a minute. He's like, let me tell you the story of me and my life. And we're like, oh boy. So, I have a counter for that. Okay. I actually think he's gonna make it. Really? Because his... This is number three. We're going up to number one. So I'm willing to accept some pushback. I think he's gonna make it through all this.
0: A... There's something about his wildling, you know, background that I think makes him suited for what's happening, what's yeah. going on. B, his death wouldn't really do anything. You know what I mean? Like, it, it would be right. kind of like somebody's got to live here and it can't just be John.
1: No, I totally agree with you, but I think the show...
0: Like, left- that was comic relief.
1: There were so many other... Oh, we're getting there. Way more intense Big Bane moments. We're getting there. Okay. But remember... When the, At the show's height of... I mean, the silliest thing the show ever did was the whole Dirty Dozen mission that I just references. as enjoying the, the characters. Lake, yeah. But the frozen, let's go get a dead body so Cersei can betray us. Right. Nonsense.
0: Yeah, by the way, that, that entire thing, like three episodes of Game of Thrones have just been written off.
1: Yeah, they're like, nah, she was never going to do it. And they're like,
0: huh, wow.
1: What other than literally everything would yeah. have led us to that conclusion? I actually thought Daenerys
0: was not pissed enough about that.
1: Yeah, that was stupid. I mean, at least... I Actually, I appreciated that they ran right at the fact that she's like, Everything that I've ever done in my life was to get that throne, and then I fell in love with your short brother, and now here I am, dying in Belfast. But I mentioned that episode from last season because after all of that, after Gendry just running that quick double marathon, Thoros of Mir is the only one who dies, mm-hmm. right? And so, and that was not a important death. No offense to a character that I loved. So I feel well, like you can't bring people back to life. Well, I get what the, why, yeah, but yeah. at the same time. There's gonna have to be some some bodies. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't think Davos is dying, for example. Well, that's that's brave of you. Yeah. Oh, do you think? I think okay. it's on the table. All right. I, I don't think he's dying next week.
0: Okay. No, um, let's go number two McBain. I,
1: I also want to say, like, like low, 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 not even ranked is someone like Barrick who Oh, he's dead. Yeah. Of course. I mean, even he's just like, I'm done yeah. uh, making He's speeches. also a candidate. For some mystical shit to happen to him, I guess. Well, that's a side conversation that I actually wanted to to bring up with you, which is, are we done with the red lady? There's and two the things Lord I, w- I want to talk
0: about. What could happen, and I okay. want to talk about. All right, about so, let, All right. so let's put to that, that, to that to the, the second side. half.
1: Okay, number two, with a crossbow bolt, <laughs> Sir Brienne of Tarth. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Wait, do you mean crossbow bolt? Because you think she's going to jump in front of? No, I just was going to say with a bullet, but they don't have bullets because it's a medieval.
0: Because Bron is like. I guess I gotta go...
1: Yeah. No, that's coming later. Okay. No. I I, I I, think Brienne is a tremendous character, a tremendous arc, and a tremendous journey. I don't know what's left for her to do. Mm-hmm. She's leading a flank against an army of undead zombies. And they're
0: playing prevent defense. Like, there's no plan other than, like, let's hold them off long right. enough to bait the Night King into this garden.
1: Yeah. Side note, You know what's really dumb on television shows? Plans. Plans. And I say this as someone who recently in a writer's room tried to have our characters come up with a plan for two weeks. (laughs) Plans are fucking hard. There's a reason we don't sit around and make complicated plans. But that was the
0: thing is like the 11 of them are sitting in front of a map. Some of the great military minds like they've won all these battles, lost some, but they're all standing around and they're like, Let's have the guy who got his pee-pee chopped off Mm -hmm. guard the dude who doesn't have emotions in a wheelchair next to a big red tree. Yeah, that's that's the plan. And everyone else is just target practice. I have nothing but
1: empathy here because I don't know what allowed me to think that me, someone who cannot reliably keep a dinner plan with one to three people, (laughs) could pull off a heist scene in a television show. It's ridiculous. We don't make plans. So, I don't blame them, but not the best plan. So, I do think that— It also just
0: seems like something that should have gotten decided before the night before the battle. That's true. Like, they get there. They're like, the, the
1: the army of the dead is coming. Yeah, but Davos was showing them his his onion soup. You know what I mean? Like, that was cool, <laughs> but they by the get way, there from and then Finally,
0: the... it's like they've got the chessboard laid out, and they're just like, mm. let's send Theon into this little <laughs>
1: greenhouse. So like, we know there was one thing we left for the last minute. There always is. <laughs> oh, the plan. Yeah. Oh, the plan to defeat the undead army. Um, no, I just think that it's the opposite of what you were saying about Tormund, which is... Next week has to have real stakes. We also know that there are three episodes left. Not every character is making it, and some significant characters are going to die. Mm-hmm. And I'm not looking at this with emotion. Mm-hmm. Cannot, Not letting emotion cloud my vision. Liana Mormont could go in a catapult, as far as I care. That, that's how cold I am right <laughs> okay. now. Okay? Okay. What I'm saying is, her storyline is done. Liana or Brienne? Brienne. Yeah, right. I think her storyline is done. Okay. So I'm not saying there's not gonna be something epic and emotional and gutting, but I do think that she's uh number two on my on my McBain list.
0: Okay. I have I have a reason why I think she could live. Okay. But keep going. I I, I think number one is this is like this is like you gotta draft Anthony Davis first. There's no question. This is the Zion
1: Williamson of the McBain draft. Number one on my <laughs> McBain chart is a character who's been who's been around for a while. Yeah who has had a slight injection of personality in the last one to six episodes across two seasons, and who literally promised his girlfriend oh my God. that he would take her sailing on a boat called Live Fucking Forever. And this is, you don't want to talk about The Walking Dead, shouts to my man Grey Worm. Yeah. The deadest dude yes. <laughs> who has ever not yet been dead.
0: Yes. First of all, I think his military value is literally like, we're going to just offer our bodies up to the zombies. Like, yeah. that's that's our that's our job. Mm-hmm. Second of all, he didn't just say like, man, I love you. Mm-hmm. Like, if we make it through this, I'm just really going to appreciate you every day. Yeah. He's like, here's the here's our plan.
1: Yeah, we've, first of all, never make plans.
0: Here's our plan. After we defeat the Army of the Dead yeah. and Cersei Lannister and the Golden Company, mm-hmm. You and me, mm-hmm. a little Crab Shack in Essos. <laughs> That's right. A little, a little VRBO. <laughs> we, it, he, you he know, was, only a few only a few customers, you he know, because pi- it's
1: bespoke. He was pitching Missandei on the opening of the second Born film. Yeah. He's basically saying. You and me in Bali. We're going to have billowing shirts. <laughs> I'm going to drive to town to the market once or twice. Because mm-hmm. just to get what's fresh. And no one's going to come looking for us. Maybe it'll be Grouper. It could be Grouper. Everyone loves Grouper. Have you ever tried (laughs) errata? It is a flaky white fish. It's delightful on the grill. Yeah. And
0: I will cook it for you every night for the rest of our lives.
1: And we will never, ever be in a snowy place again. Yeah. Rough. It's rough. Yeah. It's rough stuff for my guy. It was really tough.
0: Yeah, I think even Natalie Emanuel, the actress who plays uh, Miss is is... Has been tweeting like, can't wait to see you on the beach. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> yeah, that was a rough one. Do, is there anyone, that's my list, that's my top three McBain's. So my,
0: my argument against people like Tormund and Brienne dying okay. is that, in my mind when I try to figure out a an idealistic, happy version of the ending of the show, which is hard to see, is it essentially part of Daenerys's dream comes true. Maybe she does get to sit on the Iron Throne. Maybe she shares the Iron Throne. I don't know. But her whole idea of breaking the wheel.
1: Like little Jon Snow sits on her lap. (laughs) I love that they they went right at that. They
0: are chopping at that dude
1: with his height. It's hard to chop at a a tree that small. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah.
0: With a butter knife. Um, Is this idea that there could be basically like they they disassemble the seven kingdoms. That they do break the wheel. That there is like a new vision of government and the way that they break up Westeros and Essos maybe in kind of like nation states or something like that. Because that was sort of what Sansa was getting at. It was like, what do I, what do you, basically I run the North, like I'm not giving up the North. After this, well, what if she doesn't have to? What if there is, basically, she gets the North, Brienne gets a part, you know, Jorah gets a part, I don't know. Brienne, Jorah, Brienne, Jorah.
1: Brienne gets a part on the beach?
0: <laughs> Brienne, yeah. Brienne is the, the maitre d' at the crab shack. Mm-hmm. I thought Jorah was pretty high up there on the McBank rankings. That was the only one I thought you missed. Oh, Sam yeah. being like, take my sword,
1: because I, you deserve it. Jorah had a great, he had a great last run reminiscent of Dirk Nowitzki's. I feel like Winterfell... Yeah, there
0: was a lot of presenting him with jerseys.
1: Winterfell put up a tribute video up on the big board of all the times. Yeah. He'd uh, helped out our friends. Sam being like, your dad helped me be a man. Yeah. You're not wrong, but weirdly, I felt the sword bought him a little extra time. I do think that he has to die in the service of Daenerys. Daenerys. So, if we get to a moment next week when she is in jeopardy, then you're right. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, I feel like someone else's... The, the sword is too significant. You know, in, in as much as something that was introduced late last season. And everybody's be been
0: trying to give him a sword. like they Because John tried to give him oh, a you're sword right. Long back Claw, last year. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I just can't imagine this sword falls on the icy battlefield and no one else picks it up. So either he brings it back or someone else picks it up. Okay. It's an interesting call.
0: All right. Let's take you're, a quick break to hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about Aria. A little bit about what might happen next week. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Oreo. The most epic cookies of all time are here. Cookies are coming. Brace yourselves. Oreo Game of Thrones limited edition packs are in stores now while supplies last. Where does your fealty lie? To whom are you bending the knee? Look. He's a complicated guy, and he doesn't necessarily represent a family right now, but I'd follow Jamie anywhere he wanted to go, man. If Jamie wanted to knight me, if he wanted to catapult me into a wall, whatever he wants to do, I'm in. That guy is ride or die. Go on Oreo.com and pledge your fealty to the house or Night King of your choice, and tune into Game of Thrones on Sundays on HBO. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Philo. Say goodbye to expensive TV bills and horrible customer service with Philo. Philo is a new way to watch all the TV you love. Philo is the cheapest way to watch over 50 of your favorite channels like Discovery, Hallmark, HGTV, Food Network, AMC, Nickelodeon, and more. Never miss a minute of The Daily Show. Catch SpongeBob and Paw Patrol for the kids plus tons of classic shows and movies. Enjoy live and on-demand TV plus unlimited recording for only $20 a month and never miss a minute of the shows you love. Philo is great for watching TV on your TV, on your phone, or your computer, or whenever you want. There's never been a better deal on cord-free, commitment-free, hassle-free TV. Philo is available on Roku, iOS, Fire TV, Android TV, and Apple TV. To start your free trial, visit philo.tv slash watch that's P-H-I-L-O dot T-V slash The Watch. And if you go now, you'll get 15% off the first month. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Travel Channel's new series, Portals to Hell. Premiering Friday, April 26th at 10 p.m. 9 central. Join Jack Osborne and Katrina Weidman as they investigate notorious haunted locations. Hauntings exist all over the world, but there are a few locations That are especially sinister and reported to be doorways to the spirit underworld. TV personality, executive producer Jack Osborne, and paranormal researcher Katrina Wyman join forces to investigate notorious haunted locations like the Alaskan Hotel, Bobby Mackey's Music World, and Eastern State Penitentiary, which is literally down the street from where I grew up. True story. They search for irrefutable evidence that a spirit world exists. In the premiere episode, Jack and Katrina travel to Juneau, Alaska to investigate the Alaskan Hotel for the first time ever on television. Watch the series premiere of Portals to Hell this Friday at 10 p.m., 9 p.m. Central, only on Travel Channel, and stream a sneak peek on the free Travel Channel app today.
1: Okay, we're back. Before we get into the ARIA stuff, I did just want to pick up one thing which you said, which I thought was really interesting, which is this idea of afterwards. Mm -hmm. The show has, as it's steered more into the specific endgame of these characters and this world, Mm -hmm. definitely leaned away from some of the things that I think brought in a wider audience. Not necessarily a wider audience, because people love swords and dragons, but during the first few seasons when it was more diffuse and we didn't all know exactly where it was going or at least expect to understand where it was going or who mattered— the beauty of the show was that it allowed these pockets for conversation to develop about what it might be saying about power, what it might be saying about our sure. own world, analogy, metaphor, etc. cetera. And, you know, now it's just a tightened ship in all ways. And even I think last week— Game we, of
0: Thrones is about Game of Thrones now.
1: Yes, and comment, almost commenting on itself at times. Mm-hmm. The one place where that might not necessarily be true is this concept of afterwards, which I really, really like. And we joke a minute ago about how these characters are bad at making plans— but these characters who have lived in a perpetual state of crisis for the entirety of their lives, and in fact, the crisis predates their birth. You know, and certainly in the case of Daenerys, everything that she does is about the death of a father who she didn't know, mm-hmm. who was killed by a guy that she just forgave. By the way, that well, was that was kind two of two other one.
0: people on the. I think she got she,
1: outvoted she got outvoted.
0: on the on the panel but,
1: there, but you know. This seems like a wide-ranging reference to make, but, you know, when they do when they did a stress test on the people of Cambodia, people who weren't even alive in mm-hmm. Khmer Rouge, like, they're stressed. they elevated enough to think that people who weren't even alive when the horrors were happening have PTSD. Sure. Now we have a, a fight that is truly an existential fight, almost absurdly so. They are fighting against death, right? They're mm-hmm. fighting, as Sam said, poetically, they're fighting to preserve memory and thus keep their story, right. which is being alive. Um, what does happen next? What, how does a group of people, um, who have never known the, they've never had the possibility of planning very far ahead, who have never actually considered what could happen, um, figure it out. How do you make peace with peace? How do you get past the uncomfortable break in the, uh, Daenerys a sansa conversation i was going to joke about how many crucial conversations are interrupted by you know people blowing on so horns. that
0: was the only critique i had of last night was the amount of interrupting
1: going but on. i think i agree with you but you could also if you're going to spin it into this far-fetched thing that i'm trying to piece together on the fly here we are reaching a crisis point past crises where there won't be a timely shofar blown to interrupt <laughs> these conversations yeah. with something more important. Yeah. It's life or death. And now you're going to have to figure it out. And which characters are willing to have those conversations? Which characters are equipped to have those conversations? Um, we joked about Davos dying. Davos is someone who can have those conversations. He's seen it all, done it all, and he's pretty chill about it.
0: Yeah, well, his amb- he doesn't have any ambition. The people who have the you- most interesting conversations are literally the people who have the least amount of ambition right. towards how the world works out aside from survival.
1: So, who is willing to bend towards, I mean, not bend towards justice, but bend towards some version of new thinking towards fairness, you know, and, and John does seem to be the most flexible of the powerful people. He's consistently said, I don't care about being King. I just want what's best here.
0: Except for the last scene of last night's episode,
1: which was very interesting. Um,
0: I felt like he was a different person when he said that.
1: And Daenerys, uh, also, this idea of you know breaking the wheel—that's that—I don't think she's doing that anymore. She still just wants to sit on the top of the wheel. You mm-hmm. know, so, she wants to
0: restore her family. Yeah,
1: and so I'm very interested in how much space the show gives towards that after, and uh, and and what it means and what we can draw from it because, you know. The people have used many times a metaphor of like existential crisis, oh, is the show really about global warming or something mm-hmm. or climate change? Um, I guess we'll see what it's really about because there's only four episodes left but I, but I, I am curious how much of the show ultimately will feel like it was about the show and how much it was it will be about setting up a new paradigm. For the fictional world of the show, that yes. might leave us with something. I to certainly consider. think
0: that there's a lot of credence to the idea that the earlier seasons of the show, when they were more about palace intrigue and more about mm-hmm. like political maneuvering, that they were they were they felt more reflective of our of our world, mm-hmm. and then with the increased presence of the Night King, it became more of the world of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, I wish there had been a more explicit. Or I think you could have had a more explicit conversation about afterwards when it was just Daenerys versus Cersei. And it was just these people choosing sides and thinking about... Because there is that moment, I think, even Tyrion says it to uh, both of them. He says it to Cersei and Daenerys separately, Mm -hmm. where he basically is like... The upside... like The version of events here where she just flies her dragons over King's Landing and just melts thousands of people to get what she wants isn't going to change the world it's going to kill a lot of people but we're just going to keep going through this cycle of unbearable violence and what he was trying to do was think of a different a third way a right. different way but the emergence of the Night King and the White Walkers makes it more dystopian and more kind of fantastical because well, it's just about pure survival but it would have been interesting to have the conversation of what are we doing
1: here well that's why I wonder and I bet Jason and Mallory have many theories about this probably the right one as well The season is structured in a way where Cersei is the final battle, Mm -hmm. right? Where the Iron Throne is the final battle.
0: The Golden Company and Euron and Cersei are like still waiting.
1: Now, does that mean, and again, I don't, I'm sure there's much wiser thinking about this than what I'm about to offer, but either they defeat the Army of the Dead next week and then march and deal with the next problem, or probably more likely, right, they lose and retreat somehow? To, To the Iron Islands or Dragonstone is what people think, yeah. And then... The final battles are kind of merged again, right? There's yeah, some... I
0: mean, do you save Cersei? You know, maybe that's the question that they have to ask themselves. Is like if once, once those, once the White Walkers get south, and maybe there's a way to to defeat them. You know, they realize how to defeat them again, or they make another run at the Night King, or whatever. But the problem is, is that I think that we we're still. Le- it's not a problem, but we're still learning what the White Walkers want or what the Night King wants, which is apparently Bran.
1: It's so weird that like he has an unstoppable army of the dead that can kill everyone forever and no one had really has any chance to stop him. But his one flaw is that he is essentially swiper from the door of the explorer and he just can't help but swipe. Like, that is pretty interesting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, if only he had one glaring flaw, like his desire to sneak into places to get one boy. Yeah. That's just, he just can't help himself. I can't just, him I really don't get that plan. I don't get his plan either, yeah. to be fair. No, I mean,
0: I don't get them being like, let's let's use one of the le- less lesser mobile people yeah. as bait. I right. know that that's like what they need to do, but John oh. being like, we just need to kill one person.
1: By the way, I, Theon doesn't even make the McBain rankings. No. Like, no. like Theon's first name is going to be revealed as McBain Ironborn.
0: Theon is like the Mark Wahlberg character who got to walk onto the Eagles. <laughs> He's so
1: (laughs) Vince Papali psyched
0: to be there. Yeah, he's just like I can't believe I made it this far,
1: and thus knowing that he's going to be gang tackled, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) and pulled to pieces.
0: You know what's interesting though is like they've given so much time and so much really beautiful writing to these reunions. I the deaths are not going to (laughs) be very. The deaths are going to be pretty savage.
1: There's not much time for them. I know they've said goodbyes. Yeah, and and I think that's the other piece of watching a show incrementally that feels very different and I and and we should talk about the Arya stuff and Sansa stuff quickly before we're out about what might happen but I do just urge everyone listening everyone who's watching this season really enjoy this week like really take pleasure in this week and obviously read all the second all, episode yeah after the second episode but before Sunday like you know read all the coverage you want rewatch all the stuff you want to rewatch listen to, to binge mode and all the other great content that's out there about the show it's not going to be like this again yeah every other generation of people who watch this show
0: will know that this is what happens at the end
1: not only that they will imme- they will end last night will end and they will immediately watch winterfell no, the, the next one.
0: That's what I mean. There will be b- Battle of whatever. Yeah, whatever it's yeah, called. Yeah. They,
1: they haven't revealed the title yet, right? No. I thought you were going to say they're going to start watching backwards. And I'd be like, <laughs> let me stop you there. That's not how TV works. Yeah. Um, no, I know
0: what you mean. They'll binge it.
1: Yeah. We don't get many moments like this anymore. And, I, and it, it does make me think about... Um, like those last six episodes of Breaking Bad, which were the last time TV felt this breathless and what's going to happen, but something has happened. They've already made these decisions and they're mm-hmm. waiting for us and we can't know. And there's so few things anymore that we can't know that it's kind of delicious. It's pretty great.
0: I hadn't thought about it like that. Yeah, I mean, I wonder, so I mean, like we could talk a little bit about the episode three. Do you want to talk a little bit about the Arya scene? I
1: thought it was really well written. I got to say, like I really, I really liked it. Yeah, yeah. I really liked it because it took something that they had been setting up for years. I don't think this aspect of that relationship or the potential of this relationship was a surprise. But again, to take advantage of the character building they've done, the time spent, the changes that we've observed that we're not just being told about Mm -hmm. in who they are and how they are, the way that she just disarmed him in all senses was terrific. And I'm not the person to be making these judgments, I don't think. But for all the flack the show has gotten, often quite rightly, for its treatment of, of women, I thought the fullness of the arc of Arya, obviously there's more to come, that they've given this character, is noteworthy.
0: I was trying to think of what Gendry could have said that would have been a buzzkill. <laughs> <laughs> okay, alright. Like, when she's like, how many guys, girls have you been with if he was just like, just tons. Like so many. Like, like literally incalculable. Yeah. Think about King's Landing. It's not hard. <laughs> a guy like me does very well. <laughs> or if he had been like really kinky and you've been like, so the red woman puts all these leeches on yeah. me, man. Yeah, and it, it, I loved it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if he's, if he's, if he's
1: just, like, let me stop you there. It doesn't matter who I've been with. It's been, it's what's been on top of me. Yeah. Literally removing my blood.
0: Yeah. And if you've been like, I just honestly, I don't even get into bed unless somebody's got a jar of leeches with them. <laughs> So unless if that, I see you taking your gloves off, unless the next thing you do is remove a packet of aquarium grade leeches,
1: I'm out. (laughs) I'm not familiar with the flora and fauna of the north. If there are any sort of um, attaching insects, any sorts of bugs that I could plausibly put on my body to recreate Ah. the feelings of that one magical night with a character who seems to not be on the show anymore, (laughs) that would be best.
0: Jacoby texted David Jacoby, who we used to work with at Grantland, obviously, yeah. is, is basically the, the reason podfather. why we have a podcast. He emailed me. He was like, I think that the Shireen doppelganger who comes up to the That was interesting, yeah. He was like, that's the red woman. She's like, put herself in that person's body. I don't know if that's possible at all. She can put
1: herself in the bodies of small children?
0: I mean, anything is possible in this show, I suppose. But I think I was more of just a, like, Gilly and 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 Davos get to have like a moment with this David Character.
1: Jacoby woke up in New York <laughs> before heading off to his wildly successful radio and TV show. Yeah, before even like greeting or, or spending a quality moment with his three beautiful children. Today's his wife's birthday, by the way. <laughs> Facebook let me know that today's Jacoby. I won't I think say it's her,
0: a family affair for them. I think they all like. I mean, I don't know if his younger children liked. Games I hope or not. They're very young.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying. Of all the things. For King David Jacoby to be doing today. It's the culture, man. What do you want?
0: Everybody's watching. Everybody except Kaya. (laughs) It's not
1: like like he was writing us and being like, what do you think giant's milk tastes like? Or I think Grey Worm's about to get got. It was some obscure side theory. Well, she's
0: not. She says she has to die in Westeros. Where the hell is she? Maybe she died. No, she's coming back. Nobody goes, I have to die in a specific place BRB. And then they don't come back. I
1: think lots of people say that. Oh, on TV shows? Yeah. Oh, no, no, they don't. I thought you meant just in general.
0: Uh, so that's the Arya stuff. Glad we got that out of the way. Yeah. Um. What else do we have to hit from
1: this? Are people shipping Sansa and Theon? Yeah. That's weird. Uh, that, is that weird? That's weird.
0: I've been talking for like <laughs> eight years about how I like watching these twins bang. Couple
1: things. I'm not going to share with everyone the texts we exchanged with Mallory Ruben last night. Why not? Night. Let's Just, do it.
0: This is about radical transparency. <laughs> haven't we learned anything from our surveillance state? Let's do it. Fine. Let's say what we should. We uh, you and I were texting last night uh-huh. when I got home. You were like, "Great episode." Blah blah blah. We're going back and forth. So
1: so I, then I I so right. So I said so I I wondered about that love affair, and you wrote that will be a somewhat chaste love. <laughs> and I said we all thought the same thing about Grey Worm and Miss Ende. Yes, that's true. But Unix are DTF. Right. And then you 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 jumped in and you wondered what Unix have and didn't have. You I said, I think want- Unix have no uh, um, what marbles. Marbles. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, Theon has no John Thomas. Terrific. Right. And then you said, right? Is that right? I don't know. Let's bring Mel into this That's chat. That's what you said. Yeah. So I was that-
0: willing to, to, to Google.
1: But- so <laughs> I sent her a screen cap of that conversation and her response within seconds. <laughs> <laughs> After a full day of filming and talking, LMAO, thank you for coming to me with this. <laughs> so this is, just, I feel like you're right. We should help people. Yeah. They might not know. So this is a direct quote from Mallory's text. The unsullied, to borrow Danny's phrasing, have neither the pillar nor the stones as we understand it. Okay. Same for Theon. All gone. Nothing to wound by kneeing, as we saw in the season right. seven finale. Not sure. I feel like getting need anywhere post-op. We talked hurt. about
0: that recently because we did a rehearsal show about the season seven finale right and there's just like Theon just gets kneed in the groin like eight times and he's like it only makes me stronger and it's just like that would still yeah is it just all dead it's like no feeling down there
1: can I be clear you could knee me anywhere on my body and I'm done (laughs) anywhere (laughs) my 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 calf yeah my foot I don't know how you get your knee down there but like it would hurt yeah it only makes him stronger.
0: I don't know. He just got up out of the sand and was just like, my yes. bloody face, now I'm your leader.
1: Yeah, that's that's not me, man. <laughs> that ain't it. Anyway, what Mallory deeply believes is that what Sande and Grey Worm experience with each other was... Uh, you, I don't know if you should say Non-traditional. <laughs> non-traditional love. That's all. Yeah. I'm not kink shaming. She no, was just saying that... Look, we just talked about leeches for like five minutes. Yeah, but that's cool. Everybody likes that. <laughs> this was outside the realm of the seven kingdoms anyway not everybody has to be in love not everybody has to be romantic that's fine I think she just
0: trusts him weirdly that I like
1: I only brought it up because it was the romantic part that didn't make sense where it's like there, there is something that is wonderful about this. Re- all the various reunions, especially the, in Winterfell with the Stark kids, who were not all Stark kids, mm-hmm. as it turns out, um, and had complicated relationships within the family. And it kind of challenges this notion of unilateral, like, I fight for my family, I fight for my house, now Jamie is broken, which is actually another thing that the show uh, articulates in an interesting way, which is true to our own psychology, which is family is just like—family just happens. Yeah. You don't have to—
0: well, it's loyalty? That was the whole thing. Fuck loyalty was what Brian said to him.
1: Right, and it, and it and it's ultimately true. Like, and, and we were talking about this in the writers' room the other day, just about like sibling relationships and how this is probably interesting to you as well because we're both only children. But like, I definitely grew up thinking people who are siblings like had this magical telepathic bond and had to be united in everything and all things. And then I watched a show like Catastrophe and Fergal and Sharon. Not on the same page. Yeah,
0: I mean, you also met people with brothers and sisters, and they were like, I don't like that guy.
1: No, but then I thought it would click. (laughs) You know, I thought like something magical clicks. And it's actually, you're just people, and you have to learn to love people as people. And
0: especially on this show, especially the Stark kids, each one of them uh, has gone through significant trauma, and each one of them has come back from that trauma completely different. So Arya is now a faceless assassin. Uh, Bran is an all-seeing, all-knowing demigod. Yeah. John is a messiah
1: and Theon is a uh, well let's just say he doesn't have a ton of feels down and, there. And Sansa shops at Agent Provocateur. <laughs> That's right. That's cool.
0: <laughs> okay. Do you want to say anything about next week?
1: I'm excited. Yeah. I just I I'll just reiterate what I said a minute ago. Like this is gonna be an epic battle. It's gonna be unlike any episode of television ever made. Miguel back. Sapochnik back? Yeah.
0: Longest battle ever filmed, longer than Helm's Deep. It's great. Yeah
1: it's really exciting And and what do you think
0: is like the so Cersei was like they they didn't have any Cersei in the second episode yeah and I mentioned this to Mal last and I was like I wonder if Cersei's just not gonna be in two straight episodes and she was like I bet what they'll do is have like was with Battle of the Bastards where there was like a a, a bit of King's Uh, Landing stuff before that
1: oh it might start there right I was
0: like that's such a bad beat it's like the Battle of Winterfell and Cersei's like Hmm. Part like sparring with Euron about
1: uh, What's to name the baby? She, she's just sitting by the window like <laughs> sipping wine like the Kermit sips tea gift. <laughs> yeah. It's not that interesting.
0: Yeah, I just I, let's get right into the crypts. Let's just Also, that was the other thing that was really funny on on oh, Twitter yeah. was just everybody being like, "Man, the crypts are so safe." If you just like to I'm think, glad. Thanks for this up. Or you can't fight Seriously, go down there where all the dead bodies are buried underneath. I got a text last
1: night. I just finished watching the show. We had just determined who was smooth like a Ken doll and who wasn't. Old pal, friend of the watch, Damon Lindelof, texts me. Yeah. And he's just like, I'm halfway through the episode, (laughs) so maybe they mention this. But why are all the women and children going down to the place literally full of dead bodies who will reanimate like Ray Harryhausen models and That actually
0: does not bode well for Tyrion.
1: No. Not at all. Yeah, I mean, like Sean Sean Bean back, like just <laughs> skeletons. Can he reanimate? I was wondering, is there a statute of limitations? Can you bring back dust zombies? Yeah, from, like pulverized bones.
0: Well, I mean, but- like it, 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 I think that the idea is this is more that I don't think that the battle lines will hold very long. Right. Like, I think that pretty soon it's going to be Chris, close quarters did combat. Did
1: you see the bridge that collapses that Grey Worm was observing? <laughs> I think that's going to work pretty well. So many minutes. Like, yeah. how long would this episode have been? I know you
0: guys think it might be a little premature for me to be <laughs> investing in uh, Mallorca real estate. But you guys see it in this fucking bridge. This bridge. You
1: could it, be on it. It
0: doesn't quite collapse, but it goes up on both sides. A little bit. <laughs> yeah.
1: A little bit. If you, how long was the running time of this episode have been if you had just snipped all the scenes of people walking Don't around? not say
0: snip around Grey
1: Good call. <laughs> If you had lightly edited all the scenes of people like Grey Worm walking around looking at stuff and nodding. Yeah, I know. It's a 30-minute episode. You're in your app. Come on, Dave and Dan. Shouts to Grey Worm.
0: Let's wrap it up there. Greenwald, thank you. We'll be back next Monday for the Battle of Winterfell post-game show. Enjoy this week. Enjoy the not knowing. You can watch Talk the Thrones on Twitter. You can listen to us now. You can listen to Binge Mode on Wednesday night, Thursday morning. You can listen to the Precapables, Riley and Zach, on Friday, I believe. And uh, also... You know, there's tons of other stuff on The Ringer to check out. We're writing about it all the time. Alison Herman, Riley, Zach, everybody's writing about Game of Thrones. So one-stop
1: shop. Later. Oh, remember, don't watch the episodes backwards. That was a bad suggestion by Chris. Don't listen to it.
0: Today's episode of The Watch was brought to you by Philo. Philo has over 50 of your favorite channels, such as Discovery, Science Channel, HGTV, Food Network, AMC, MTV, A&E, Nickelodeon, and more. Enjoy live and on-demand TV plus unlimited recording for only $20 a month with no contract needed. Philo is available on Roku, iOS, Fire TV, Android TV, and Apple TV. Start your free trial instantly with just a phone number. To start your free trial, visit philo.tv slash the watch. That's P H I L O.tv slash the watch. And if you go now, you'll get 15% off the first month.